My name is Jacob Stoops. And I'm Jeff Luella. And you're listening to the Page Two Podcast. This is our podcast about the people of the SEO industry. We chronicle the real life stories, experiences, challenges, and advice from some of the most amazing people in the business. Today's episode, I introduce my new co-host, get into what I learned in season one, talk about what's in store for season two, and even react to some current events in the SEO industry. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Jacob Stoops, and I am back back with season two of the page two podcast. Uh, and I must admit it was a little bit arbitrary uh, to decide to end end season one, but I felt like 25 episodes were enough. Uh, I felt like I needed a little bit of a break uh, in between. And I felt like um, definitely needed that break to, uh, to really rethink um, one, whether or not it, it was worth kind of continuing and two, um, to kind of reorganize a, a lot of stuff. But I think the, the biggest cat that I wanted to let out of the bag is that I have now a co-host, somebody joining me, and that man's name is Jeff Luella. Uh, how's it going, Jeff? Hey, everybody. How you doing? Everything's going good over here. Dude, thanks for, uh, thanks for agreeing to, to come on. So for, for those of you no that, uh, that didn't listen to Jeff's interview, Jeff, just tell everybody about yourself. Awesome. Uh, I'll give you the the shorter version. If you want yeah. the longer version, you can go back and, and listen you know to that episode. But you want. <laughs> awesome. So um, I've been kind of working in and around the yes, I guess the internet industry. We'll say um, early on. So back in the early nineties, um, I actually helped build my community college website. Um, it was a class that taught you how to do HTML and the same idea was that class was going to build that community college's website. So, um, so that's where I kind of gotten into just like learning about the internet, doing HTML, um, things like that. Um, kind of was one of the only people that had Photoshop back then. I'm not going to say if it was legal or not, but I had it. And that made me a web designer by default because I knew how to do some HTML and cut up some things from Photoshop. So made me a web designer. Um, but actually one of the main reasons I wanted to learn how to do the web is I was a DJ and I wanted to promote my music and um, DJing stuff. So I really got more into the real audio aspect of things, doing real audio streams and, and things like that. Um, actually got a job and doing a kind of front end development and um, design, um, but also got to do some real audio streaming for some uh, off or uh, off track betting. <laughs> um, what was your DJ? Sites. Was it DJ DJ Jazzy Jeff? No, I, I was my DJ name was Mookie, which has kind of been a name I've had since I was a, a younger. That moved up, um, and you know, jumping ahead, it's my kind. I do some uh, FP, FPV uh, drone racing stuff, and that's my name there too. So, <laughs> but back then, um, you know internet stunk. Like it was, you know, everyone had dial up and things like that. So my wonderful idea of having like an online radio station um, today would actually have worked well. <laughs> um, now there's a million of them, but back then it was really hard to get people to, you know, if I had 10 people on my stream, it was like dying the stream. <laughs> so, um, but used all that knowledge, you know, mostly moved into front end development. Once I learned that, designers, uh, real designers that came out of school doing design were way better than me. <laughs> um, and they, you know, they, they started getting into the web. It, it was great there. But um, as a front-end developer, I was really pushing things like accessibility and web standards, trying to get people out of table-based designs into using modern HTML, CSS, JavaScript, um, you know, presentation layer type of things. Uh, from there, though, uh, you know, there was accessibility was not a great business. Um, it's catching on these days, but back then it's like, if I'm not being sued, I'm not going to do it. Um, though SEO has a lot of the same things, right? Google's the largest blind user on the internet. So we get to um, 
a lot of things would do for SEO. I still, in my head, think of it as an uh, accessibility angle of things. And while I'm not necessarily looking to optimize a form right now for accessibility, but a lot of the other standards, making it easier to read for crawlers and for screen readers really help out that way. So, um, But today, I've been doing SEO about 12 years-ish, mostly focus on a lot of the technical and back-end things of SEO, um, though I, whatever you throw at me, I will do. Um, but currently at Search Discovery, I, I moved into a platform engineer role where I still do SEO, but I'm working a lot more on analytics and implementations and uh, tag management type of software. So one of the reasons that I, I thought Jeff would be an amazing fit on this podcast, I think one, selfishly, like it takes a lot to run a podcast. I like this started off as like a, Hey, I'm going to start a podcast because I think it would be a cool idea. Uh, And because like for, for me, it's just like, I've always had a creative itch, whether it's tinkering around on my, on my website or, or, you know, editing video, doing Photoshop. I don't know. I've, I've always had like a creative itch and I kind of enjoy doing this kind of stuff. So podcast was a way, especially with the way kind of new media is, is, is going podcast is the new blogging. Right. Um, yep. anyways, so it allowed me to, to scratch that creative itch, but there is so much that goes into it, uh, from, um, from actually figuring out like, well, what the hell do I want a podcast even about? Like, what do I want to talk about? Who would listen to me? Do I have an idea worth listening to? And once you like figure out, I think I do. Okay. Well, what format do I want to use? What software do I use to, to edit? What software do I use to capture the audio? Once I capture it, uh, how do I edit? How do I put everything right. together? How do I go book guests? Do I need a website? Do I need to do social media? And like, it just goes on from there and it quickly spirals out of control. So selfishly, I was looking for someone to help carry that burden who is just as passionate uh, about one, uh, being creative and kind of scratching that itch, but also to uh, SEO, um, just as passionate as, as me. And I think the other thing is, but there are, I think there are two other things. One, I don't think I've ever mentioned a person's name in the industry where Jeff hasn't known them. Um, either either <laughs> like been like a, a loose colleague or like have met or talked with them or is like friends with them. I really don't think that there's anybody that Jeff hasn't, has, hasn't, hasn't known to the fact where I almost kind of like make fun of it now uh, because it, it kind of cracks, cracks me up because he seems to know everybody. Um, but I, I thought that that would be really beneficial in terms of just opening, opening up avenues to, to find and talk to more really smart people um, to this, to this point it had been, um, it had been me tapping friends and colleagues on the shoulder and, and lightly twisting their arm and saying, want to come on my podcast? Uh, or it had been me just blindly reaching out to people that I, that I didn't know um, in, in many cases and almost like a cold call um, saying, you want to come on my podcast with those people having no clue who I was. And um, I wouldn't say that I'm well known at all. So um, no clue what to, what to expect. Most of them seem to enjoy it, which is good. But, um, I think Jeff's network is amazing. And then Jeff, like he didn't mention it. Dude is super interesting. He does, uh, he flies and builds, uh, drones. You do, um, you've got an ax, you built a freaking ax throwing range in your backyard. Uh, <laughs> you, you 3d printing, uh, you yeah. grew your own, I believe whiskey, right? Yeah, well, you do like everything. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> not All everything. On top of but, having like a, a a brood of kids as well to manage. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, it's um, you know, you just give the kids iPads and they just. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> they uh, That's true. it is that is, true. it is fun. Um, we I'm lucky now that my kids are a little older, so it's they're they just go outside and play and they play with the kids in the neighborhood, which is great. Um, yeah, I, I do. I like have a, I love hobbies. I love learning new things, whether it's, you know, SEO, web development, things like that. I've been focusing a lot on like the work life balance and part of the life part is just having a little, little more fun and, um, took up 
you know, FPV drone. I, I don't race. I do freestyle, but it's the same drone setup, but you build them, customize them. You don't have to program them, but you got to tune them to, to, to fly really well. And you throw in some goggles and it feels like you're a, a you know, jet fighter pilot, which is Star Wars. an experience that I've never really had, right? So it's like being able to fly a toy around at 80 miles an hour. It, it's, it's pretty fun doing it. Um, you forgot to mention I'm a professional athlete now since I joined the Cornhole League. That's right. So it's, professional amateur. So it's the one, one <laughs> athletic aspect I can hold a beer and play a game at the same time and yep. call myself an athlete. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you're way more interesting than I am. You know way more people and I need, needed somebody to help. So welcome, awesome. Jeff. <laughs> welcome, Jeff. Thank you for having me. No, I'm, I'm excited. I think, um, you know, I want to talk a, a little bit more about like, what did I learn or what were the good things about, you know, what occurred in season one, but I'm, I'm definitely excited to have another, uh, another voice and somebody else to yeah. contribute to the conversation because believe it or not, like it feels like a lot of pressure when you have to be the one driving the conversation all the time. And believe it or not, that is not my forte, not my forte. So. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, from when I used to do DJing, like I had a, always had a goal to be on the radio and I went, I actually worked for a, a couple of radio stations as an intern and it quickly made me not want to work in traditional radio because you are the intern at an, when you're there, you're getting coffee, you're cleaning all the consoles. No one who's on the air really wants to talk to you. Um, at least back then I actually, um, there was the stations, there were sister stations, and one was a talk radio station with uh, Rush Limbaugh, <laughs> um, which was super interesting because he was just very, uh, you, you'd tell that, that that would be interesting there, but he, their sister station was a pop station, which I was like, great, I can get onto this. But as I said, just working for six months as an intern really made me hate doing that. So um, I've always had to dream, and then now that podcasts are out, um, it is a lot of work to get one set up and the beauty of this position that I'm in now is that you get, you did all that hard work already. So now <laughs> I can come in and <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, but it's actually like, okay, I'm complaining about all of the hard work. It's actually not that hard. Like I'm, I'm, right. I'm a freaking amateur. It's not like I'm like running a radio station or anything. Like I've got a computer, I've got a decent microphone set up and yeah. that's it. Like you just have to like have access to some editing software, a lot of which is free or very cheap. And you just have to understand like the distribution platforms and, and everything that goes into that. And honestly, it's not that hard once you figure that out and you have something worthwhile to, um, to talk about. So it, I mean, there, don't get me wrong. There is. And I think I've taught, I talked about this in one of the episodes about setting up a podcast. Like there is a lot that goes into it, but like, the barrier to entry is as low as it's ever been and it's getting lower, getting lower. Anyways. So let me talk about season one and I would be remiss to talk about season one episode uh, one episodes one through 25 and not thank everybody. So I'm literally going to go one by one and name and thank everybody because it without all these people that were willing to come on and talk with me, um, I wouldn't have a show. Uh, I, I wouldn't have a show. So uh, I'm going to start with with the man, Rand, uh, Rand Fishkin, who I actually did an interview with him while I was at Startups. And he was nice enough to allow me to use it um, for, the, for the first episode of, and adapt it for, for this podcast because we did talk about a lot of SEO um, related, related stuff. So uh, nothing like starting out episode number one with Rand um, Fishkin. That was pretty cool. Um, Zach Chahalis, Sal Sura, Maggie Barr, Cindy Crum, Nick Ranger, Jeff, of course, uh, Margie Stahl, Joanna Galish, Matt Osuch, Daniel Ang, Samantha Mayer, Nick Eubanks, Janet Bartoli, Tom Rayner, J.R. Oaks, the trio of Tim Wilson, Michael Helbling, and Noah Amri Levin, Jennifer Wright, Brian Gorman, Nikki Mosier, Jenny Hallis, J.P. Sherman, and Ross Hudgens. Those were all of my guests um, from season one. And I wanted to thank you all again. Um, you all were amazing. And if you happen to listen, just know that there's always a place uh, for you. And, and I want to make it very clear that anybody that has been on this show at least once 
always welcome back. If you have something you want to talk about, always welcome. Um, I will say, like I said before, um, most of them were my, my friends or colleagues before. Um, and, and many of them I didn't, I didn't know. So it was a, a good mix of, uh, for me getting out of my comfort zone, uh, and also some of it staying in my comfort zone by talking to, um, talking to people I knew. So it was really, really awesome. Um, in terms of, well, let me first, let me, let me, let me talk about some of the mistakes I, I made. Um, and I think the biggest one, and it's, it's actually driving me crazy even to this moment, um, because I, I didn't really feel like, I didn't know if the podcast would be successful or worth continuing to pursue. And, um, and, and I think success is, is relative, right? It's not like I have a bazillion uh, downloads or listens or, or, any, or anything like that. Um, I think what it's given me is a great excuse to meet a bunch of really great people. Um, but the one thing I didn't do, and I should have done it, and I'm killing myself right now, is I did not buy the .com domain. And when I decided after season one, maybe this is a real thing. Maybe I need to stand up a website. I went to GoDaddy and I searched page2podcast.com. Yes, because when I had originally um, decided on this brand and this title uh, name, nobody had it. And of course, Taken. And I was like, what? Taken? And with some quick research, some quick plugging in of the name, it turns out a church uh, has also decided to choose to use this brand name, which is wah, wah, uh, really embarrassing, really embarrassing, especially because I'm an SEO. Like that's like, that's like 101 level stuff. And I can't believe that I, that I missed it. The, the good thing is um, I started mine way before them, um, it, you know, in the fall of last year. So I've had it for about a year. They, had, they didn't start until about April and in checking their site today, the damn site is down. Like, I don't know if they yeah. folded. I've reached out to them and they don't want to sell me the domain name. So I, I do know that I'm going to like work on like getting the trademark. So eventually I can go back and be like the only owner of this brand. But like, I just want to like slap myself in the face for not thinking, even if I wasn't going to do anything with it to buy the domain, it was so stupid. And now I'm regretting it. But what I will say is um, we did buy a, a domain. It's page2podcast.fm, which I actually like better. Um, we, and we, we have stood up a website, and, and I think it's pretty damn cool. And the homepage is, is a play off of Step Brothers, which is pretty damn funny. Um, but yeah, man, I, I'm, I feel so stupid. And, and of all things, a church? Like, how does a church stumble on the name page? I just don't even understand how they would stumble on that name. <laughs> Yeah, well, the good thing is uh, it looks like it expires in January, so January 1st, so maybe they won't renew. I'll be, I'll be right on top of that if they are, um, if they are not continuing to pursue their pod, podcast. Right. So, Either way, we'll, we'll outrank them. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I was going to say is um, I, I, you know, I thought about like, okay, do I rebrand? Do I go through that? And I was like, hell no, I'm an SEO. No, I'm just going to out-optimize them. And, yep. and other than owning the, the domain, I'm not going to like allow them. And I'm not trying to be like mean or anything like that, but like, this is what I do. Like you're coming mm -hmm. into my arena, even though I was an idiot and gave them, gave them like a clear advantage. No, now they're coming into my arena and, and, and we're going to, we're going to figure this thing out. Um, the other thing that I thought was a mistake is like part of my, personal brand and it's more just like who I am. I like mob movies and like my original idea for the format was to find a way to integrate that in some way um, within the original format. You can, you can actually hear it in the first couple of episodes before I decided to kind of change the music and be less awful um, was, was the format originally was very clunky and, and very segmented, which is funny because we're actually going to a more regimented format um, in season two, which we'll talk about, but like the format was clunky and I knew like pretty quickly that like, okay, this is awful and it's, and amateurish and it's time to like make a change both to the, to the, to, to the music as well as the um, Q 
cadence of how like episodes were introduced and the flow of episodes. And uh, it really actually became, you know, after episode five, more of just kind of a free flowing conversation. And I do hope to keep kind of an element of that, but it really turned into really nice, just free flowing conversations that just kind of went wherever they went um, under the main premise of telling the or origin story of, of where people come from. Was that because I didn't know mom movies? You came in at episode seven, so you were right on right on the cut <laughs> of yeah, the the new new and improved uh, 2.0 format of of page two podcast. But no, I mean, do you know mob movies? I have seen them. I will not say that I am. Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say that I haven't watched The Sopranos, and I know that's <gasps> probably you wouldn't have picked me if I told you that uh, a couple no, months ago. So. I will say I'm going to give a for, for anybody out there that does like mob movies there is a really good one coming up uh, that i'm going to give you a tip on and it's only going to be available on netflix and it's called the irishman so look that up it had um and and i will tell you it is probably the last i don't want to say the last great mob movie but it's definitely probably going to be the last movie that pesci is in so pesci came out of retirement joe pesci Mm -hmm. Uh, the actor from Goodfellas, uh, Casino, and uh, for those of you that don't know those movies, Home Alone, the the bungling (laughs) burglar in Home Alone, which he was hilarious in. Um, He he came out of retirement uh, to play uh, mob boss Russell Buffalino. And you've also got in this movie De Niro, uh, Pacino, Harvey Keitel, which are three like mainstays in the mob genre. And they've never actually all been in a film together. Martin wow. Scorsese directing. He's never, he's worked with all of these actors except Pacino individually um, or in sometimes in tandems, but never, um, never all together. And then um, I don't know if you guys will recognize this name, but uh, the guy named Stephen Graham, uh, in, in another guy named Bobby Cannavale, who were both in Boardwalk Empire. Um, Stephen Graham played Al Capone. He was also in Gangs of New York, uh, many other movies. He's actually like a really famous face. You just wouldn't know his name. So he's in this movie as well. Anyways, so that's a tip. Uh, the Irishman, it comes out in late November. I am apparently the, the new PR person for that. <laughs> but anyways, getting back to um, season, season one, um, what do I think went well? Um, the concept of, so what I didn't want to be, and I said this all throughout season, you know, like I'm ever the smartest SEO in, in the room. Um, I've done this for a long time, but there's always like, there's always somebody smarter than you. And there's, there's always more to learn. There's always somebody with either more experience, different experiences, um, or a different perspective. And I never, ever want to consider myself the smartest SEO in the room, which is why sometimes I, I kind of cringe. I cringe a lot at the conference circuit. I cringe um, a lot at just different aspects of the industry and certain personalities in the industry that claim to have all of the all of the tips, all of the advice, all of the expertise, and they're, they're infallible and never wrong. Um, and that just wasn't me. So I, I, I wanted to talk about SEO, but I, if that was the way that I was going to do it, I just wouldn't have done it because that's just not me. That's not who I am. Um, but I did have an idea because one of the things that intrigues me, and I've said this many, many times, and this is going to continue to be a hallmark of the show, is that because there isn't like formal, there's, at least as it stands now, there's no formal way to go get trained to be an SEO, like it's within traditional educational mediums like colleges right you learn marketing and it touches on seo but like when when those folks with marketing degrees come out of college they are in no way no way prepared to start a career in seo no way they're so green mm-hmm. um, it's not their fault right it, everybody tells you get out you know uh get a degree go to college it's the thing that you do after high school so um, it's what you're supposed to do. So the people that are doing that are doing the right thing. But if you want to get into this career, like honestly, most of the people that have gotten into it were either there when it started, uh, like Jeff, basically, uh, just working on the internet and adapted into SEOs, or you got into it by accident, 
Like we yeah. have, we've had so many careers and I actually want to create like a page on our, on our new site that just talks about the weird careers that people had before they were SEOs. Um, yeah. Glass blowers, archaeologists, uh, uh, electric violinists, um, amazing. And it's, and it, and it, it fascinates me. It's like, well, how the hell did you go from that to SEO? So like, as I started talking to people and, and not only that, I didn't just want to talk about the origin stories, but like, I wanted to talk about like what it's like day to day, because like day to day, man, you can get so frustrated with, with the way things go with your accounts. And there are like, there, there are huge highs, uh, low lows. Um, and it's a grind. And I, and I didn't feel, excuse me. I didn't feel like there were a lot of shows out there, like talking about like, if you go and do a career in SEO, like if this is what you want to do, this is really what it's like. Because like what you see on the surface is like everybody talking about like how great it is. And it's always like up and to the right, you know, traffic movement. Yeah. It's so easy. And it's really not. It takes a lot of patience, a lot of grit and a lot of determination. And there's a lot of, a lot of success, sure. But there's a lot of failure as, as well. And you don't necessarily see that on the surface. And that's, that's the angle that I felt like, okay, this is my unique angle. This is what I can bring to the market that's not there now. And as I started talking to people and like interviewing people and as people started listening, I, I, I do feel like I got a sense of validation that like, hey, this isn't a terrible idea. Now, maybe it's never going to be as popular as some of the more well-known um, well SEOs. And I guess I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, but right good idea and it's a good um, avenue to explore and that's something I want to continue continue to explore so I felt like that was a really good thing for me that is why I'm still doing this I'll probably just do this in perpetuity now because there's there's literally no shortage like Jeff and I like before we started season two literally put together a giant list of SEOs and I don't even think we've scratched the surface and the list is hundreds long like so we can grow hundreds of shows. There are hundreds of shows and stories out there like waiting to be told. So like we're excited to tell them. Yeah. Cool, man. It's awesome. So Jeff, what's in store for season, season two, help, help everybody understand like what we've got kind of lined up. Yeah, definitely. So, um, Jacob's going to be stepping aside and I'm going to take over the whole exactly. thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of the same from last year. I mean, I think we're going to work off of the success you had where, you know, just getting to understand and, you know, have SEOs tell their stories, how they got into it. What is their backstories? What are some of their passions inside of SEO, outside of SEO um, in, in general like that? Um, I think we'll be adding a little bit. Well, I know <laughs> we'll be adding a little bit more of the news, even though um, on a podcast, maybe it's not as evergreen because news comes and goes, uh, but in, in general, just, talking with the, with our guests about how we will you know, just current news that's, that's going on just to pick your brains, find out uh, you know, what people feel about it. Google's always changing. Um, you know, Bing is now like uh, 30% of the market. <laughs> so they say, <laughs> um, so you're just, just understanding that stuff, what's going on and giving a talk about it. But uh, I, I don't see that being a, a main purpose in there, but we'll be doing some, um, aspects. I think we're going to be a little more like three or four times a month. We'll be doing, we're trying to knock yeah, one out a week. That was another failure of season one is like, it was really hard to, because you were, you were at the mercy of other people's schedules and we're still like that. But with one yeah. person trying to like do everything, it was really hard to like be well organized. And I think this year, like we've brought some, and it's funny, I'm, I'm a mob guy and, uh, with that comes organized crime. And uh, I think there's going to be some organization to what's going on this year. So I think we're going to be able to be a little bit more consistent with putting out episodes, which uh, as I hear is critical to success. So definitely wanted to check that box. <laughs> no, agreed. And, and having like set schedules also helps people know to like, Hey, on Monday or Tuesday it comes out and we need to, you know, they're, they're looking forward to it, right? They look forward to the next episode. So. Look forward to it. Oh, definitely yeah. will. And, um, and so we already have also for season two, some really amazing guests lined, lined up. And like, I, I do want to preview a few of them, but like we've, we've got, let me look at the list. 
Simon, Simon Cox. Uh, we've got Mr. J.R. Oaks making a comeback, and specifically that episode is going to be interesting um, because we are bringing in Martin Split. Split? Is that right? Yeah, from Google. Like, from Google. That's, that's, that's awesome. Um, in that yeah. episode with, um, with four people, um, and I'm used to just having two people interview style, um, having a round table discussion and specifically like, we're going to talk about Martin's background. Like what does it take to get to freaking Google? Like, how do you get there? Is it, is it really like, uh, the Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson, uh, interns movie? Is it really <laughs> like that? Or like, is there something, something else? And then we're going to deep dive into JavaScript, uh, which is going to be yeah. awesome. Uh, and then after that, we've got Kelly Stanzi, Alicia Anderson, Angela Bergman. We've got Mr. Patrick Stocks, Mr. Ahrefs, uh, newly acquired Ahrefs uh, and IBM. Uh, and we've got some really other really good guests um, lined lined up and, and coming coming along. I don't want to like bury the lead, but um, there's going to be some really smart people, and we're we're really excited. I think we have Larry Page and Sergey coming on, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I've got them on my. Yeah, actually, I'm sure you've got them. You've got their, got their email, right? Yeah, I'll just make a call and we'll right. get them on. Just kidding. Cool, man. Uh, so yeah, so lots of really good stuff coming in season two. So we're really excited about it. So uh, definitely uh, make sure you pay attention. But for this uh, for this particular session. Um, I wanted to do our first round of SEO news. And it's not that I just want to like, just talk about the news and, and react. But I think like, honestly, I think hearing some of our reactions and um, probably some skepticism <laughs> over certain things is going to be like the hallmark of, of this, this section um, to hear like what SEOs really think, like <laughs> when they're put on the spot about certain things like you're going to like, if you listened last uh, year to the rel next and rel preve news and you heard me go off, um, there are going to be in actually today, like there are going to be some, some, some things that I might just go off on. So I think it's going to be really cool to talk with other SEOs and uh, talk about the stories of the day and listen to like their real unfiltered thoughts uh, about what news is, is kind of coming out in the industry. Yeah. You mean like uh, putting SEO on autopilot? Fucking SEO on autopilot. <laughs> Where is that article? I'm going to pull that article up. Yeah, I have it. Uh, I can slack it you to you. Wanna, can you just read it? Read it to me. Music for my. You don't have to read the whole. <laughs> so Bright Edge is uh, automating SEO with the launch of the Bright Edge Autopilot. Um, they announced this at Share 19. Um, I just at the title alone, I. I you know, cringed when I read it because, um, you know, if anyone knows, uh, I don't think SEO can be put on autopilot. There may be tasks and things that we can do better. I think we really, part of like what I love to do in in my job is automating some things, Um, but it's not really automating decisions and processes like that, right? It's kind of using all the tool market tools and things that we have out that are available to us to, um, just help us make more decisions. Um, But, you know, marketing gets involved and using a term like autopilot, uh, we've had a a few people bring it up and um, I loved Twitter reaction on it. (laughs) Um, It kind of just when they announced it, there was just a a, a slew of, you know, SEOs in general are skeptical skeptical of everything. So um, when we first saw it going in there, it's just like, you know, my, my main reaction is like, it might say we automated some tasks. It, Bright Edge to me is, it's a, it's a good tool. Um, is it the best? I don't, I don't think so. I think it's very expensive and you could probably pay mm-hmm. an SEO a hundred thousand dollars a year and have him do all your SEO um, and be cheaper. Or her. or her, sorry. Yes. <laughs> um, and I have them, uh, you know, have them kind of on autopilot for you and, and actually have some human decisions there. So I don't know the full extent of it. I haven't really dug, like I just see the, the press release that they put out, but at the same time they had, like I haven't actually demoed any of the tools there. I, I've seen and heard some things where I think REI uses them and um, uses it for kind of like, if you like this category, you might like some other categories and then they give you 10 links at the bottom of the page. Um, 
sort of like a bloom reach type of deal that I think, but I don't think they auto create the content for you uh, such like bloom reach did. But if it is anything like that um, I've seen uh, really great case studies, bloom reach where rankings like quadrupled, um, but traffic went down or, or didn't like work great. Um, and I've had a couple of clients where we've taken them off and our rankings have plummeted and actually sales and, and traffic went up. <laughs> so um, it, Automating towards anything Google and anything's Google's algorithm is not, uh, I, I can't trust it, right? And, and I don't think you should ever trust an automated tool to, to run your campaigns. So, so let me tell you my feelings about Bright Edge. And they're, they're, I try not to be a negative Nancy, but they're pretty strong on, on this one. And I also don't like to complain and be like snarky and like glass half empty, like... <laughs> Well, I am a glass half empty person probably in life, but like, at least in like my public facing Twitter persona, like unless it's like the Browns, you're probably not going to see me criticizing a lot of things, but this is, this is one of them. And I will say that I, I'm not an unbiased. So in my past job, Jeff, actually in your past job too, like we worked at an agency where bright edge was the SEO tool of record and actually like one of the SEO tools, we one of the only SEO tools we had at our disposal. And I will say like when I first, when I first got my hands on it, and this is like back in like 2011, I was like, holy shit, this tool is amazing. Like this tool is really awesome. But then as I started to like get into, into other tools and as other tools started to evolve, I, I, quickly noticed Bright Edge kind of falling behind and it quickly for me became kind of a point of contention to the point like where I wanted to when I got somewhere else um, I really wanted to dive into other tools and when I did finally get a chance to dive into those other tools I, I, I realized just how far behind I thought they were in, in terms of being like an enterprise level tool and for how expensive they are you just don't get as much as you get with an SEM rush or an Ahrefs or even a Moz um, in terms of uh, analysis and research and competitive, you know, right. reviewability. But the, the, the problem with this, with this message, this autopilot message is, is not the actual tool itself. It's in my opinion, the fact that it is going to be permeated throughout the industry through uh, to marketing teams, to businesses and business owners. Uh, and they're going to, again, think that SEO is something that can just be put on autopilot. And it's going to continue to devalue our profession um, when in fact, like when you actually probably look at the tools capabilities. And if there's anybody from Bright Edge, like come change my opinion change my opinion, give me a demo, change my opinion, and I will happily eat crow. I once, I once ate crow on Ahrefs when I called it not that great of a tool, and Tim Sulo came along and changed my opinion. Um, so I'll happily eat crow, but what I imagine this tool being, this quote-unquote always-on, put SEO on autopilot, is just a better marketed version of, um, of an SEO radar or an uptime robot or any, or a content, content king, little warden, basically anything that's just detecting issues as they, as they crop up. I don't envision, envision Bright Edge being able to automate the process, nor should it, of, of writing content or determining which pages to create on your website or analyzing competitors and, and taking that information and using it to determine strategy. There are a lot of technical things that, that, can't and nor should they be be automated. Um, and I hate, 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 hate the fact that there are people probably in, peop in, in high positions that are going to take this and they're going to buy into this tool and think that it's going to do the job for them that a human used to do. I guess it's probably like <laughs> like having, having the machine in the grocery store when you could have the clerk ring you out. That's, I'm, I feel like maybe like the old, I'm like on the border of being the old, old person on the lawn yelling, get off my lawn. Um, but I, I, I pretty strongly feel that you, you kind of need the human element in, in SEO still because there are so many things that requires um, a human's intuition 
and, and a person to, to guide the strategy. And like last time I checked, I, I know AI is coming a long way and there's a lot of great things going on with machine learning in our industry. But last time I checked, um, Terminators aren't here yet. So uh, I think I'm still going to have a job for at least a, a, a few more years. And I think that I can do my job better than Bright Edge's autopilot uh, SEO program. Um, yeah. I so, mean, the one thing I will say about uh, in, in like a positive note on, on Bright Edge is that the one thing they really do try to do, and, and a lot of these tools, Conductor or, or um, even SEM Russian Ahrefs now, right? They're trying to make it where they're pulling in every data. For a long time in SEO, you, Ahrefs was my link tool. And, uh-huh. you know, Moz was my, you know, keyword tool or something, yeah, just going through all the different aspects that way. Um, they are all now bringing in every single one of these features, which makes tooling hard because mm-hmm. there's so much overlap now in these tools. Um, Bright Edge being the enterprise level of that, like the, the most enterprise level of them. Um, and by enterprise, I mean most expensive. Uh, they really like, you're coming into you're a fortune you know, 100 company, you have an internal SEO, like here's your tool. Um, it'll integrate in with, you know, Google analytics or Adobe analytics and layer some data over top of each other. Um, the thing that I don't think they did well, uh, like whereas I hated weekly rankings. Um, I like, I, I like my rankings daily, just even though I'm not reporting to my clients daily, um, if you've ever used weekly or monthly rankings and have done any type of site migrations or site like uh, redesigns, you really don't want to wait a week to kind of see how things are fluxing out. And then if you fix things, you don't want to have to wait a week. Technically it might take a week for it to actually happen, but I want to see that on a daily, like I'm going to see motion. Um, I'm again, not looking at my monthly reporting on a daily basis, but at the same time, just want to know when I make a change that it's actually working. Um, I feel that, them adding in some of those alert functionalities and things like that um, would be better off there. Now they can give you an idea of what needs to be fixed, but um, as you know, and probably anyone who's worked at an agency doing SEO knows getting things implemented is the hard part. (laughs) Um, I don't think they could ever do that because nobody in their right mind would just like let Bright Edge rewrite things for them. Let the robot do it. Yeah, let the robots. And I think at the time that's what Bloomreach sort of tried to do, right? They created custom categories yeah. based off of like search demands. Never used it. I've worked at getting it off of people's sites and, and increasing yeah. stuff I've that seen, way. I've but I've seen it in work and I've seen it working for um for a client. The problem with that, and maybe even the problem with Bright Edge, I don't know, is like once you turn them off, it's gone. Like yeah. so, like you get stuck uh when you're paying because in in the reason to use a service uh like Bloom reach and this is a tangent is like if you have such severe restrictions on your technology backend that you can't add content to your site yeah. um, or if there's a lot of red tape to go through bloom reach was a solution um, maybe bright edges i don't know was a solution that could help you kind of bypass some of that stuff um, and and in an automated uh, sort of way to create content which you need in many cases to garner rankings like there's still a thing in SEO where like, if you want to rank for a certain thing, you almost always have to have a piece of content dedicated towards that, that thing. Um, yeah. we, uh, enabled that. But the problem is like, like I said, once you stop paying them, it went away. So you got locked in. And, um, and Stefan Spencer with his gravity stream in the past, like yeah. it was kind of a CMS that was not part of your site that you could create pages and then it would, um, wouldn't redirect them. It would canonicalize over to his proper pages. Uh, I, I actually found it useful on, on some things where like there are some e-commerce sites out there and systems. Um, I used to work at GSI commerce and their platform. Like we couldn't do a ton of things with. So being able to layer something like that, it was a bandaid. It's always a bandaid. Like the idea is always to have something on the site and having your system run right. But sometimes you just couldn't do that. And uh, I think they, they solved a, a niche there that would, that really, help that. Um, but at the same time, you, you don't pay, then that's all gone. Right. So it's one of those, like, how do we, you know, and as an SEO, I always look at it that way. How can we be evergreen? How can we, mm-hmm. you make our changes now, they'll last forever. 
compared to putting a Band-Aid or, or more of a PPC SEO <laughs> kind right. of thing, like a paid SEO type of, of engagement where I feel like if you, um, like Yext, I think, had that also with their local. Like you stopped paying Yext and some reason your local's stuff changed. Um, so it, it's one of those, like we don't want to have to continually be paying into it. We want to build something, improve, and then improve off of that and then improve off of that and not have to worry about like going back to zero. So what are some things that we do we feel like can be could and should be automated with SEO? Right. So it's interesting. So the more we automate like our reporting and bring that stuff in there, I really, I do love automated reports, but um, I sometimes miss just digging into analytics, right? Cause it's like we, re- you can report on all our premier um, metrics or, you know, our top metrics we're looking at, you know, traffic, revenue, of course, all that, that type of stuff. But we really, uh, like, sometimes I find those little nuggets just by sitting there and staring at analytics for 35 minutes and 40 minutes, an hour, and like, oh, my God, I see something in a different way. I think we do miss that with some automation. Um, but at the main thing, like, my reporting times have dropped from taking me five hours to build a report to now the, the most of the reports are already done. And now I can spend that one extra hour of digging into the data. So instead of taking me five hours, I've dropped that down to an hour, mm-hmm. um, which is, which is great. I think that's one of the things we can definitely do um, automating uh, using someone like deep crawl. I, I love deep crawl and just having my crawls automated, like screaming frogs. Great. Um, I usually use it when like I want to find something out now. Um, but deep crawl is great at like crawling, keeping track of our crawling, keeping track of our progress. Um, and just knowing like, Hey, we've, I, I found it so many times, like I've given developers, like here's some things we want to do. They're not always the best at telling us when it's done. Um, so having something that's always looking, I, I usually run them on like a weekly basis and I can see like, Oh, look, all of our, you know, four or four pages went away or all our you know issues that we have with redirects are now fixed. Um, and usually like I just follow up with a message, like, thanks guys for doing this. Like, you know, I'm not going to nitpick that. I think as SEOs, we're always looking at people's sites anyway, mm-hmm. um, to, to find out that stuff. And I, I do love that I can find out things that happen on sites before my clients do a lot of times, um, using tools like uptime tools. Uh, I use uptime robot cause it's free. <laughs> um, so many times I've told my clients that their sites are down and they're like, Oh, thanks for letting us know. Cause they didn't know themselves. Well, so. The problem with humans is we have to sleep. And, um, yes. and, and, and that's what I think bright edge might be trying to do is to be like looking at uptime and site changes. And if it's that, that's a good thing, but it's not like a holistic autopilot strategy, but like, Agreed. I don't it's know naming. Times, yeah. We found like a rogue, no index tag or like a, a, a robots disallow or exclusion that is caused. And, and this type of stuff when applied to an enterprise site can have million dollar ramifications. So like that, that's good. And that should be automated. And if that's what bright edge is doing, then good, good for them. I wish they would market differently. Um, site speed, site speed's really hard. And um, I would really like to see more automation there, especially with things like image optimization, because like what happens is you've got, you've got your developers and the people handling the back end, and invariably like, okay, because there are a, a lot of people on a team that need to put content and do things on the website, many, probably most of which don't know how to code or don't know anything about, don't care about speed. Uh, right. or, or just the things that, the things that we care about. Um, and and um, I feel like I've seen so many times where like just a, a, a content author or, or a content editor or whatever um, uploads like a five meg image onto a web page, like no big deal. Uh, and there's no like, there's no way to restrict them from doing that because it takes the speed from three seconds to 20 seconds. Uh, and there's just no way to, uh, to really kind of control and enforce and govern govern that, and I and there are tools out there and services out there that help with that, and it's something I would like to see more often, so that the folks that are uploading the Im- images can do what they need to do without crushing uh, crushing users under the weight of their really poor site speed decisions. Yeah, I mean, on like the WordPress front, like using I I like to use like the short pixel um, mm-hmm. plugin there, which. 
anytime I upload something, it's automatically doing that for me. I think they even have a new version now that crops everything because I, I have one client who is the same way. Every time they update um, their, their site, in their main navigation on their homepage, they have like a kids section and they always put this image that's this big. But it, when you right click and open a new window, it's five megabytes. Big. Yeah, I was going to oh, say, that's... for people listening, Jeff is saying this big. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. This is like radio. You have to be more descriptive. You can't just. Yeah, I, it's, it's my first episode. So it's, I'm learning. Uh, yeah, they, so they're. Yeah, it's like in a main kind of drop-down nav. They put a little image there, but right. the developer uploaded it at a five, you know, five megapixel size or something like that. Where now that's on every single page of the site, and their whole site gets terrible scores um, because of that stuff. So having some sort of you know data asset manager um, or, or image serving platform, I know yeah. um, there's there's plenty of them out there where you upload to that. And that takes care of all that for you. Cloudinary um, is a good Cloudinary. one. Cloudflare yeah. does it now. So and, there, and there's also, I think um, Adobe has seen seven, which kind of gives you yeah. some other functions inside of it, but that's like another one that kind of does stuff like that. So what else is going on in the news, Jeff? Tell me. Um, well, you were talking about site speed. Um, one of the, the cool yeah. things that I see that um, Google search console is experimental. Now I'm, I'm not as lucky to get into that. Um, experimental phase there, but they are going to be implementing a ton of site speed reports inside of Search Console. That's exciting. Yeah, from what I can see, it looks like... excited about that. Yeah, so Barry Schwartz posted it up on on Search Engine Land. I think it was today. It was probably maybe yesterday. A bunch of screenshots, which is great. It looks like they're taking everything from um, this Lighthouse or, uh, yeah, Lighthouse tool and and Google's um, Insights and putting it into like the kind of search console charts that we're used to seeing now, um, where we have like our three choices. It'll show us like our slow pages, our fast pages. Mm-hmm. I think they actually have a moderate page section too, which is good because we can see at this point which pages are the slowest. Why? And it's site-wide, which is awesome because yeah. most page speed tools, it's one page at a time. I think a lot of... Yeah, for at least ones for SEO that we get. Like, unless you're using a tool like Rigor or or some of these really web performance tools out there, which I would love to get a little bit more into. Uh, um, but the, just the reporting aspect of it, it's it's kind of been a, a tough thing getting your page speeds out of Google Analytics. Um, they give you like a .0001 sample rate of people coming to your site, mm-hmm. and and anytime I try to get anything insightful out of that. Um, it'll tell me like one of my main pages is like a 40 second load time, but no other tool says that. So I don't really trust the Google analytics data on that. Yeah. could have been one person had a bad day or a bad yeah. computer or some plugin on their browser made it run a lot longer. So at least with this, we're going to get site-wide speed page tests and, and we can actually track that. And now with Google search console updating a lot more and a lot frequency, it's going to, you know, at least be, a day old data at the, the most. So Freaking search con like I, they didn't do anything in search console forever. Um, even after they made the, the migration and they're on fire recently. Like, it's been like update after man, they, they must've had like a giant queue built up because it's been lately. Like you can't even keep up with all of the updates that have been happening. No, it's great. I mean, they I'm adding like the video schema and video like impressions and clicks through it. That's been, I, I, love video. Right. And I love, I'm a, I'm, I'm a YouTube premium subscriber one. Cause I hate commercials. Um, being in advertising, it's always fun that way. But, uh, and the second was because I like the new karate kid Cobra Kai TV show. So I, I, I paid to get in to see that thing and get rid of some you. Uh, yeah. And, and now if um, I go on to like one of my kids accounts and try to watch something, I, it doesn't always move with the video or with, with the <laughs> commercials there, but for my clients, I mean, I think video is great. I think video is awesome for um, stuff you're doing on, on your site. It depends on, I guess it depends on what you're selling or what your site's about. Um, but we have a bunch of clients that have some really good videos and they, they host them on YouTube um, and they have them on their site, but we don't ever know. And anyone is going to their, from their, like going from Google to their site to see a video. So adding the video schema, we always recommend that of course, but now Google's actually showing us like, is our schema correct? Are we showing, um, you know, the thing I like the most is impressions and clicks and being able to go through some clients' data to say like, oh, look, we're, we're seeing impressions. We're showing up for all these keywords for our videos, which 
that has kind of been a black hole to, to an extent. I mean, some ranking tools would tell us that, but you have to know the tool. Like you have to know the keywords to search for. So at least in search console, they're saying these are the keywords that you're showing up for, whether it's a hundred percent accurate or a hundred percent, all the keywords um, at this early stage doesn't necessarily matter to me. Cause I'm looking at it as like, I have data now, <laughs> you know, which, which I never had. So um, I'm dying for the day. Once I get speaker, you know, Google Home speaker data in there too, um, which I think is not going to be far behind. I can't, you know, 100% say it, but to know what people have searched for in their voice, I think is going to make Search Console, like it's already to me invaluable, but I think it's going to be like the most valuable item out there. So Additionally creepy as well. Agreed. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, that's, that's one thing I... I dig let's see i have a little list here um i think one of the big ones that people had and this is one that i've always had i don't know i think i had different feelings than most seos and that's about h1s and google says h1s don't matter for rankings and uh the seo industry just went like nuts because they're like you said h1s are important and 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 like we got down to I, th- I think what happens is SEOs make rules and best practices. And so the whole, like only having one H1 per page, uh, like you were never getting a penalty. You were never getting anything by having multiple H1s. Um, technically like coming from someone who was big into web standards and accessibility. Yeah. Like having multiple, like technically in HTML five, like you can have multiple H1s depending on the way you have your topics broken out. Um, I would always, when I used to do um, a lot of front end development, I programmed all the HTML first before I even put any CSS or anything into it. So mm-hmm. my goal was when I viewed it on a web page, it looked like a college essay. I had my headers properly. Um, you know, your H1, one reason people think that should be only one H1 per page, which technically could be right on, on the page. It all depends page by page. Um, if you had an article, you want to have that one theme per page and your H1 is your top theme for it and you want to have subheadings for it. Uh, I, I think Google like once wanted to have that in their search algorithms, but how many websites have you looked at that had 37 or 100 H2s or H1s because every little contact us and, you know, mm-hmm. SEOs, we, we like to abuse things. So if one H1 is great, then why not have 50? Or if H2 is more powerful than a normal paragraph, let's make everything H2. Or there's people that just don't know any better. Like WordPress, WordPress, there's a reason WordPress is the most widely used content management system on, on the face of the earth because like there, there was a huge, uh, a huge population of people that have no clue how to build a web page, but that want to build a web page and yeah. it makes it easy. And in some cases, like you can't always, nor do they want to or know how to control that stuff. But I like, mm-hmm. I, I always subscribe to the theory. There, there are kind of two things that that makes me think of. One, the idea that we as SEOs, like we make up standards and then like we just sometimes fall into the trap of just like blindly saying this is the best practice without testing it. Like without mm-hmm. actually, like I, I fell into the rail next and rail preve trap where like I, I spent months worth working with a client to get it right. And it may in the end still be good for accessibility and usability purposes, but like we could have been doing better, th- better things. Yeah. And because that was the best practice and they had really messed it up on their site, we spent months getting that implemented and to find out that like it was just not even being considered was like, that really pissed me off. But at the same time, it was my own fault because I didn't test it. So like there's that, there's that element of things that we blindly just follow best practices without actually testing them in many, many cases. And then there's the, there's the other, um, it made me think of like, just like you said, it should look like a college essay. And I think that I'm still personally in, in favor of having a, you know, a, a single H1 only because like, I think in terms of like the overarching page structure, and I really do try to think of like how a person um, who's using a screen reader might, uh, might think about the information. And I try to like, think of every web page is like, what if this page was a, was a chapter in a book? I try to think about it that way, right? In in yeah. in terms of how it's laid out and is it organized in a, in a logical way? So, 
I don't know. That's how I how I think about it. Think about it. I don't know. How oh, to- agreed. And, and most people used H ones or H twos, H threes as like styling aspects too, mm-hmm. right? Once a, a designer and coder put it together and said my H two was, you know, fourteen pixels high and bold. If I needed that anywhere on a page, I just instead of using a prop, like understanding code that there's meaning behind it, like there's a reason like there's like with a P tag means paragraph and header ones means header. There's also reasons like uh, one reason why uh, in the HTML spec, they got rid of the B tag or the I tag for bold or italicis and changed it with strong and emphasis is because you are emphasizing this word. <laughs> there's a meaning behind it. B just is like a, 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 you know, a style. So that's why that should go into into your CSS. Now, if you want your you know, strong tag to be bold, you can make it bold, but then you don't have to. But then SEOs also abuse that by like taking H1s and making them look like normal text, things like that. So in a perfect world, I think H1s would mean everything. Um, not everything, but it would be just as strong as a title tag. But we're not in a perfect world because people like to abuse things. Yeah. So It's just like a lot of things in SEO. It's trivial bullshit that we get like we bogged down by trivial stuff and like we, and then we miss the stuff that's really impactful. That's like floating right under our noses. Yep. No, totally agree. And I guess one of the last things I kind of had a chuckle with um, was um, Google kind of took a jab at Moz um, (laughs) when Moz posted about like all their, their new ranking things and, and um, John Mueller kind of, poked down and said, how are you getting that data? <laughs> um, because technically to scrape Google's site is against their terms of service. Um, though I think everyone turns, you know, they turn a, they understand like, hey, by empowering SEOs makes Google more of the forefront and people focus on Google more. Mm-hmm. Um, but people make a lot of money off of scraping Google. Google makes a lot of money off of scraping people. <laughs> so let's, let's be real. Google is the world's biggest scraper of content. Exactly. Like they got no room to talk. Get out of here. Google. Agreed. We're just, we're just scraping their content. And, and if it wasn't for Google, if people scraping it, like SEOs would have less metrics to go by. If it weren't for um, people creating content, Google would have nothing. Agreed. And I, and some people have the argument where you know, Google taking my content and posting it sends me traffic, which then I can have ads and monetize off of that. Mm-hmm. Me scraping Google is, has no benefit to Google, but I, I, I believe there's a benefit. Like I believe it puts it part of that industry. I mean, most, not most, I will say, but a lot of ranking tools um, really just focus on Google. Right. And that's mostly yeah. because Bing yeah. is, um, you know, even though they say 30%, they're like not 30%. <laughs> um but in general, I thought it was interesting. And, and in general, I think SEOs not having, and this goes back to like Bright Edge and everyone else, like we've kind of made a whole bunch of metrics, right? We're not in our standard analytics packages. Yes, we get our, our traffic and revenue and, and bounce rates and time on site. But like, to me, a lot of times when, once they get to your site, like those view pages and stuff is all about your site. It's just the getting the people to your site, right? And that's kind of part of the SEO to me. The on-site stuff I really feel is also a part of SEOs. We like to dabble in everything, right? So we'll dabble in UX and code. And that's why I think every other industry kind of, because we also have negative people in our industry. So um, they'll look at us that way, but we're generally want to make everything great. And that's part of what I love about SEO. Um, But part of that was also reporting. How do we report on all this stuff? And we found creative ways to get numbers and rankings was one of those where we, you know, if you're, if you're not the first person who shows up, um, then, you know, if you're, if you're on page 10, that matters. No one's going to ever see you. So. Mm-hmm. Cool, man. So is yeah. that all the news? Is that, is that all there is to think about this week? Yeah, I think that's a, a good start there. I mean, I, and some of this isn't brand new, but um, it's one of those things where it's uh, the news is always going to pop up. Google's always going to say something. And um, that's the other thing I love about SEO. There's always like some fun chatter online that you can, whether I partake in it or not, it's uh, there's always, it's always interesting times. So. Yeah. And I think uh, to, to kind of put a bow on this, uh, this episode, actually we, 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 this episode, I didn't expect to actually be that long, but we've had, I, I think some really good discussion and next week, it's not just going to be me and Jeff. It's going to be, me, Jeff, and Simon Cox. And every week it's going to be me, Jeff, and either one or sometimes two people. And I think what's going to happen is it's just going to be a great discussion. And honestly, 
I got tired of hearing my own, my own voice. So, um, so it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. Um, we're looking forward to it. We've got a lot of great stuff lined up. Um, and here's to, uh, here's to season two. It's, it's coming like a freight train or the little engine that could one of the two. (laughs) No, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna be a good time. I'm, I'm excited to be here. And I think, uh, I'm excited to meet a whole bunch of new people and talk to them because talking to people through Twitter or talking to people, you know, through whatever social media platform is not the same. And, um, sort of like you, I don't get to go get out to a bunch of conferences or nor do I like push a ton for that. (laughs) Um, yeah, there's some that I would love to be able to get to, but this is, this is a great way to just have a sit down and one-on-ones and, you know, not just like pull somebody apart, like to a side at a conference. Like we, we get to spend some time, which is great. Yeah. We get to meet people for the first time and everybody gets to watch and, and listen yeah. to all the awkwardness. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> it's like a, cool. like a, a third person view on pulling somebody aside at a conference and talking. So we're doing exactly. it. Together. All right. Awesome. So everybody uh, have a good, actually this, this episode is going to come out on Monday Uh, even though we're recording on Friday. So everybody have a good work week and uh, look for next week's episode. Yeah, Monday's my favorite day. Yep. All right. Thank you so much for listening to the Page 2 Podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show or listen to more episodes, visit us at page2podcast.fm. That's page, the number two, podcast.fm. Our episodes are also available on a number of other platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Deezer, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Additionally, you can also listen to our show on our new YouTube channel. If you'd like to become a sponsor or would like to be interviewed, get in touch with us at thepage2podcast at gmail.com. Until next time, happy optimizing.